Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Glorious day it is in the life of the church. For the harvest fields have never been more ripe than they are now. You did get that, right? The harvest fields are more ripe now than they've ever been. There are more people on the earth than there's ever been, and we have a higher percentage of Christians than we've ever had. But the fact of the matter is, we also have a higher number of non-Christians than we've ever had, which means that our opportunities are pretty much endless. Amen? And so rather than see it as a daunting task, I see it as an amazing opportunity to draw people unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, I know what it's done for me. Does anybody know what the Lord's done for them? Who knows what God's done for them? Put your hand up, you know. So if you know, wouldn't you want others to have that too? I think the answer is probably yes. Last week, uh, Pastor Chris continued in the series. Uh, the poor guy had to take my outline and preach from it. <laughs> uh, I don't like doing that. I don't suppose he does either. I don't know any pastor that does. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, um, being committed to the church is important, isn't it? And so we're going to continue uh, this week in the series. We've got two more messages today and next week, and this one is entitled Commitment to Prayer. Commitment to Prayer. We want to commit ourselves to pray for the kingdom of Jesus Christ and other things as well. And it might shock you as to what I think the Bible's telling us we're to pray for. And I suspect that we pray for other things that are perhaps less important than these things. Now you know I'm going to biblically back up anything I tell you. And so rather than think, well, I don't know about that, let's look at it together. I think God will show you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Scroll down to verse 3. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. And for those of you who aren't sure, uh, it, you'll probably find it somewhere after Philippians, like right, at, right after it. <laughs> and I can't tell you what page it's on, but you can probably get close, right? Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 3, Paul says this, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all the saints, because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learn this from Epaphras, our de dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ, on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard it, we haven't stopped praying for you. 
We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him we have redemption, which is the forgiveness of sins. Now, friends, as I began to really think about this, and, oh, I, I think I put this message together just after Christmas uh, last year. So about a year ago now. And, 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 and I, if I remember what I was going through as I started reading this, because I knew I had a series here, and I knew that there were certain things that we had to be committed to, and I knew prayer had to be one of them, but I almost started the whole series off with commitment to prayer. But I realized that I couldn't do it, because even though that's the obvious thing we ought to be committed to, People aren't really committed to prayer until they're committed to other things in the kingdom of God first. Right? You, you're not going to pray until you get saved probably. Or right at the time that you get saved. So now you're starting to learn what this whole thing is. And the best praying people are committed to his church before they're committed to prayer. Because we're tangible people. So we pick a church out, and then we learn how to pray. And then sometimes we're afraid to do it because we've never prayed out loud. And for the first uh, you know, several days or weeks or months or maybe some, for some people's years, uh, when we're asked to pray, we're like, oh, please don't ask me. But somewhere along the line, we find that we can do it. And we begin to pray. And then, over, and then we wonder, why couldn't I pray before? And now I'm getting pretty good at prayer. I, and I'm praying all the time. And I'm thinking, why didn't I just pray before when I had an opportunity? Why did I have to wait for tragedy to strike or something like that before I started to pray? It's, 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 a, it's a phenomena I think we'll never understand. But it stuns me that people become the best prayers near the end of their life. Wow. And so you can see why I want to start early now after I've given you this base in this series on why now we need to have commitment to pray. Now, this message highlights Paul's prayer for the Colossian church the church at Coloss, uh, and it, it, it talks about how he wanted his prayers to be effective for the church members' growth in Christ. In other words, Paul was praying specifically for this group of believers in a church that he planted to grow in their faith, to grow in their belief, to grow in their depth, in their spirituality, to grow in the kingdom. Now, we're expected to grow in a lot of areas of life. But spiritual growth is the one that we're not really held to too much of a bar. And that's backwards. Again, you, you're not going to tolerate a 10-year-old throwing a tantrum, temper tantrum like a 5-year-old does or a 3-year-old. Most of us would be pretty grossed out if we saw 
you know, an eight or ten-year-old breastfeeding somewhere. Right? We, we, it's, it's just not, it's a practice that, what's the matter with you people, right? You should be right, well beyond that. Now, you might think, well, that's an awful, terrible way to, but it isn't. Because as horrific as that is, it's even more horrific not to grow in your faith in Christ. It's even more horrific not to grow in your spirituality. Christ demands it. He would rather you grow in that before anything else. See? So prayer is the way that we do it. And Paul prays that they would grow in Christ. And so he asks the Colossian church to join him in this practice of prayer by praying for him, right, while he's in prison. Now, that's interesting. Does Paul have more experience in the faith? Yes. Has Paul been a Christian longer than them? Probably. Has Paul been called by Christ himself? Yes. Is he possibly more accomplished in his prayer than the people there would be? Oh, absolutely. But he still asks them to pray for him. I think we get this stigmatism in our minds that somehow the only people I'm going to ask to pray for me are those that are, you know, been praying for a long time. They're the, they're the, the saints of the church. Those are the ones I'm going to ask. No. To be honest with you, I want all of you to pray for me. Every one of you. I don't care if you just got saved today. You understand? This is what Paul is trying to say. We all need to pray for one another. And the fact that he humbled himself to ask those who were probably lesser Christians in some regard than him, he asked them to pray for him? What an opportunity and responsibility he places on those Christians. And I would say, probably an honor that he asked him to do that. And you know what, friends? He honestly believed that the Colossians would pray. He believed that they would. And that when they did, that God would listen. And that God would move on the Apostle Paul's behalf, which is why he asked him to pray. The Bible says that the prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. So it doesn't matter if you just got saved in the last two minutes. I would say your prayers are going to be powerful and effective if they're lifted up in seriousness. Amen? So you have to understand that this is what we're talking about. Now, God doesn't always grant what we ask. I'm not saying that. Because it has to coincide with His will, and that's where we struggle the most, I think. Because our will ought to be his, God's will, yeah? It doesn't work that way. And I've been disappointed, have you? But here's the deal, my friends. Prayer is still paramount, no matter what. And Paul said, <laughs> I'm going to know if you're praying or not. I'm, because if things don't happen, I know you're not praying. Wow! Woo! Now, you're, you're, listen up, because you're going to see this material again, probably sooner than later. If things aren't happening, you're not praying. Amen? Okay. Now, the late evangelist uh, from the uh, Southern Baptist uh, denomination, Vance Havner, often told the story of a contentious meeting that happened in a church one time of which he was a part of. And in the meeting, uh, some tempers, because they were having some trouble in the church and some things were happening, uh, there were some, some rifts going on and some people gossiping and garbage like that. And, and it got to the point where one gentleman jumped up and, and, and said, Gentlemen, it is time to pray. Because he saw that all this dialogue was going nowhere and they weren't going to work it out themselves. Gentlemen, it's time to pray. And another man responded, Oh my goodness, has it come to that? 
Wow. You see the irony here? Habner's point was that we can wrongly make prayer the last resort rather than the first option. Maybe if they had resorted to prayer rather than a meeting amongst themselves, this would have been alleviated long ago. Amen? And when I see gossip in the church and I see garbage in the church and I see people taking their ball and going home or people complaining, the first thing I want to do is instead of having a meeting to fix it, I want, let's, let's just all pray. Because it's funny how things work works out when you just pray. Don't have to have a meeting. Because the problem makers stop being problem makers when people are praying, especially when they're praying. If you pray, chances are pretty good you'll start being part of the solution and not the problem if you're serious. Amen? Now see, this is, this is not rocket science, friends. This is Christianity 101, and here we are. And so the Apostle Paul underscores the significance of prayer in this passage as he makes his introductory remarks to the Colossian church, hence the importance of prayer. And as I began to think about it, a couple things hit in my mind. One, notice that Paul prayed for the church. Well, not just the church at Colossus, he prayed for all of them. He prayed for all the ones he planted, plus the one at Jerusalem, plus the church universal, whoever started it. Amen? Paul prayed not only for the churches he knew about, but the ones that would come well after him, including this one. Including this one. Okay? Why? Because according to God, prayer is a necessity. It is not an option. It is a necessity. Now, Colossians is one of the four prison letters that Paul writes, including the book of Philemon. And, and in Philemon and these other books, Epaphras is mentioned as a travel companion of Paul during his imprisonment. And I say that because in this case, Epaphras brings Paul some very inspiring and also very welcome news uh, that the Colossian church is strong. And of course, Paul's been praying for that, so he wants to hear that God is listening to his prayers and helping to strengthen the church, amen? Everybody wants to know that your prayers are being answered. Yes? Yes? I mean, I mean, who, who, who heard that? I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't really don't, I can't really see you. I don't really know what you're doing right now, but you've got to hear this. Everybody wants to know that their prayers are being answered because if we don't know that, what happens? Stop praying. Right. And so Paul needed to hear that this was happening. He needed to know that stuff was happening that he was praying for. Okay? Because he's in prison. He doesn't know. And I got news for you. As long as Satan controls this world, we're all in prison. We're all in prison. You, 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 you know that, right? In some countries, it's worse than others. But we still serve the same God. Amen? Regardless of what our prison is, God hears our prayers. You can pray from prison. You can pray from anywhere. Can't you? You see? Now, not only did Paul pray that the Colossian church would be strong, but he had prayed earnestly and continually that it would happen. And I suspect that Paul now knows that praying continually is why God answered his prayers. Because I think we offer a prayer and no, nothing happens. Forget it. You know? It's almost like, you know, years and years ago when our TVs were, were not digital. Uh, I remember you, you'd, if sometimes you get the, the fuzzy and blurry lines of your TV. Who remembers th that happening? 
and you would mess with it. You try to tweak the channel a little bit, bang on the side. Sometimes it clear up. Who remembers that? I think we do that in our prayers sometimes. Well, you know, uh, can't do it. Turn it off. We pray that way sometimes. No, 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 no. God wants you to continue to pray even when you don't feel like it or when you don't necessarily see any results yet. God wants you to pray anyway and continue to do it. Paul did, and he says, I can tell you what happens when you earnestly and continually pray. Results. I think we don't see results sometimes because we didn't pray long and hard enough. And God doesn't do it to like, you know, it's not like, you know, a taxi cab where you hire a taxi and he keeps driving, making you run harder after him. God didn't do that. God wants to teach you something, which is why he might not necessarily do it in your timing. He wants to teach you to pray stronger and longer and deeper than you have. Because if he just moves at your whim like that, you'll stop praying. Or you won't pray for very long, and he knows it. And let's face it, God wants to communicate with every single one of us. Doesn't he? My wife and I have this, this funny little thing that we do once in a while when we're talking on the phone to somebody and it comes through the vehicle, you know. Because uh, By the way, you do know in Indiana you cannot have yourself on your hand in the car. If your keys are in the ignition, you cannot, I don't care if you're parked, you can't do it. Okay? Of course, nobody follows that law. I've just had to get that anecdote in there. Anyway, what I am going to tell you, hands-free is a beautiful thing. And uh, when we're talking on the phone with somebody, um, sometimes my wife has this terrible, uh, and I do it too sometimes, where we hit the button and it cuts, cuts you off right, right when you're, just as you're saying goodbye. And, and we have this thing, when you get the answer you want, hang up. <laughs> you know. Uh, but anyway, the fact is, I think sometimes we kind of do that to God a little bit. God's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean, I don't, I don't like it when I'm on the phone with somebody and all of a sudden it cuts out because I haven't gotten to where I want to get to yet. Yeah? Apparently when they got the answer they wanted, they hung up. See, we, we treat God that way sometimes. Hey, God, I need this, I need this. Would you do it? And click. And God's like, what, no adoration? No thanksgiving? No, you don't want to hear anything from, no, no, no download to you? Just upload to me? Try that on for size. Wow, you see. He prayed earnestly and continually, and so should we. You see, prevailing prayer is necessary because our prayers, friends, can't be like the ocean wave that pounds the shore and then recedes. Where the waves are pounding the shore, they're pretty rough, but when they go back out to sea, we don't think much of them. You see, our prayers are kind of like that sometimes, I think. Nor can we casually just say, yes, I'll pray for you, and then forget about the commi commitment that we've made. And I've done it, and so have you. I had great intentions. I meant to. I didn't do it on purpose, but it did happen. Sometimes we pray, and then we forget to pray again. We pray once, and that's it. And other times, we forgot to pray at all. You see, prayer should be offered continuously as part of our spiritual lifestyle where we're constantly talking to God. And it's funny, too, because I find myself talking to God about things that sometimes I think, why would I tell God that? I don't need it anyhow. 
But the fact is, God has become, become so close to me that I, I, I'm, I'm just constantly talking. Anybody? You, you, you're just constantly talking to God. Well, here we are again, Lord. You know, right? Not that he doesn't know it, but he wants to hear from you. Because when you're connected to him, he's connected to you. Amen? And that's always a good thing, see? In fact, the Bible is clear that without prayer, it would be very difficult for any of us to even be a Christian at all. Very difficult. But I'm willing to bet that most Christians pray very little. And if they do, it's only when they need something that only God can do. What do you think? You think it's fairly accurate? More than that, prayer has to be constant. Constant. Now, we can learn from Paul how important constant prayer is for those who need God's help, right? Many Christians have found prayer uh, uh, as a list. And so they find a, a, a list or a journal is very helpful in going through the things they ought to pray for because it's easy to forget certain things, yeah? Uh, especially in our, in our pastoral prayer group, sometimes Pastor Bob will tell you that when we pray, people, you know, a lot of guys will, and gals will give uh, prayer requests, and when we get down to pray, I've forgotten some of the requests. Sometimes there are so many of them. And I'm sure you've done that in a group, same thing. So now, we, and we, we do it generally, and God knows what the requests were, sure. But the fact of the matter is, friends, sometimes a journal helps us to be mindful about the daily needs of others that we need to pray for. And I've also found that while I'm praying, God will bring other names and situations to my mind that I myself hadn't even thought of. And it's only because I'm spending time with him, and then, and then here's another thing that happens. When that's happening, it seems like I was going to start a short prayer. Before I know it, it's been a long prayer. Anybody ever been there before? It comes a long prayer. But in truth, it seems like it was short. When I finish, especially when I'm sitting over there where Pastor Chris is, usually it's where I do it. Uh, sometimes if the, if the sun's in my eyes, I'll go over here, and then, or sometimes I'll come here. But either way, when I'm doing it, a lot of times in, in the mornings, if, when I usually do it, uh, I'll go to prayer, and, and before I know it, an hour's gone past or more, and I didn't even realize it. And it, it, it dawns on me at this moment that spending time with God is what I want to do, where I want to be, and everything else kind of fades away when I'm doing it. And all of a sudden, I forget about all the things on my list that I had to do. And I also find that the things on my list work out better when I've spent more time with Him. That's just the way it is, you know? And, and, and God says, well, of course it is. You, you didn't know that? When you pray with me and give me the time that I deserve and you deserve too, guess what? I take care of things. Wow. It never surprises me that my time with God goes this way, and it goes so fast, and I never feel like I spent too much time doing it. Anybody ever feel like that? I never feel like it's too much time. In fact, I find that when I spend time with God, when I don't have the time, the rest of the time is always way better. Anybody? It's a fact. Secondly, not only did Paul pray for the church, he prayed for the church's spiritual growth. And this is a big one. I need you to put on your big boy girls and pants right here. Because this is going to be ouchy. Because for some of us it is. It might not be, but it could be. Our prayers must include, get this, please, for spiritual growth. 
We have to plea that God would bring spiritual growth to us. How many of you in here think you could use some spiritual growth? Okay, I'm going to say every hand ought to be up, right? We can always take spiritual growth. We need to plea with God. We need to beg God for spiritual growth. Our prayers have to include this. The object of Paul's prayer for the Colossians was that they would excel in spiritual growth. In fact, the Apostle Peter used a familiar image when he said that new Christians are newborn infants who need, get this, the milk of the word in order to grow in 1 Peter 2.2. Basically, he said new Christians are infants in the faith who need love and attention from more mature believers. Agreed? I mean, that's, that's what he's saying. Furthermore, you know it. You understand that. But they're also expected to grow. I've given people spiritual attention, and they still refuse to grow. And no matter how much attention I give them, they still don't grow. Have you ever done that? If you haven't, do this thing called Christianity long enough, and you will. You will find someone that takes up a lot of your time, but they never do anything with it, especially as a pastor you're going to find out. Okay? Now, I don't say that for, uh, to hurt people's feelings. I say it because it's true. But I want you to know that every single one of us is expected to grow in our faith, in our spirituality, everything. We're expected to do that. Now, you know that I've said for years that many people get saved, but they never advance in their spirituality. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be hurtful here. I'm just telling you. And some of you, this is going to hit you between the eyeballs. Okay? Maybe not so much here, but other places it will. I know, because I've seen it time and again. Oftentimes, we have a story. And our story is some of the reasons why we got saved in the first place. We turn to God because we have a story. Right? God will deliver us from some terrible thing that has happened to us. Right? Whether it's a situation of some type of abuse, uh, whether it's an addiction, maybe it's some kind of money problems, or a terrible tragedy, whether it's a relational type of thing, whatever. But we never stop going back to the story. Did you hear me? We never stop going back to the story. I need you to understand something here. I've seen entire churches, particularly, and I'm not picking on any, I don't have any in mind, so don't think I am. But there are entire churches at times, especially those that cater to people with addictive problems and things like that, that never get beyond the story. They get saved, and they keep going back to the story, and back to the story. And years later, they're still going back to that same story. Well, God's been better than that. He delivered you from it. So what are we going back to it for? It's okay when it first happens. But now God wants you to grow. you got victory over that problem. Come on. Let's move forward in Him, yeah? Because if you keep going back to that story, you're still in the negative. God wants you to say, I delivered you from that. It's not a problem anymore. Forget it. Now, does it mean you're really going to forget it? No, it's always going to be part of your life. But that can't be your go-to. I want to know what God's done for you today. Not yesterday, not last month, not last year. Now. 
Because in the world we live in, you need God to do something for you today. Anybody? Come on now. Let's grow up, kids. It's time to grow up here. It really is. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean to people. I'm not trying to discount what you went through. I'm just telling you, God delivered you. Let's move on. Amen? Because if you move on in God, and the devil doesn't want you to, he's going to bring more stuff that God's got to deliver you from. But that's called spiritual growth. Amen? Yeah, you see. God always prepares us for it, you see. He always does. We're a new creation in Christ when God delivers us from whatever it is. Every time. That's like acting like it. Amen? You see, friends, more than that, we're going to have to expect our prayers for spiritual growth to be answered. <laughs> see, you, 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 you can't pray for spiritual growth and, and hope God doesn't do it. Right, right, right. You, 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 you know that, right? I think some people do it. They say it, hoping God won't do it because they don't want to feel more responsibility in the faith. I really think that happens. And then I, I thought about it. Maybe I should erase that and not put it in there. And then God said, no, it happens. And he said, you, you let me worry. You're, you're the messenger. You let me worry about the fallout from it. And I'm finding myself, it's not that I don't care what people think. It's just that they need to care, and I need to care more what God thinks. Isn't that true? So i got to stop worrying about offending people. I don't mean to be offensive. But sometimes, according to the Bible, the gospel is offensive. <laughs> is the gospel offensive? Does the Bible say that his message is offensive? Guys, does it? Yes! So when you talk about Christ, what he did for you, and what people should do to have him, and why, it's going to offend some people, isn't it? And there are things in the truth here that's going to offend you and me. And you know what? God says, yeah, but the result is a lot better than your offense. You see, God would rather offend you all the way to heaven than coddle you and pat the back of your hand and your back and say, bless your heart, it's okay, keep sinning. Keep living in mediocrity. Keep letting the devil win. It's okay. That's what we do because the devil tells us to do it. And God says, no, no. Claim the victory you've already gotten. And grow up here. It's time. God always answers the prayers of a righteous person because the prayers of a righteous person are always in tune with the will of God. Every time. Now, there are some serious spiritual truths that we've got to see here because we always say we want to grow spiritually. Every time I'm with people, they say they want to grow spiritually. Jesus said that anything we would ask in his name, he would do it. What did he say he would do? Anything you would ask in my name, I will grant it. So if we aren't growing spiritually... Do you understand this? If you aren't growing spiritually, clearly you didn't ask him to grow spiritually. Because he's always going to do that. That's something he will always answer. He will always see to it. He will always grant. Every time. So if you ask for it, you're going to get it. So if you're not growing spiritually, you're not asking. 
And yes, I can say that because he does. He made good on his promise. He said, whatever you would ask in my name, if it's in the Father's will, and your growth is always in the Father's will, he's always going to grant it. So if you're not growing, you're not asking. And sure enough, there's somebody out there who's going to say, well, it's not that simple. Yes, it is that simple. Because if it isn't, then you made Christ out to be a liar. He said he would do it, didn't he? Did he say, I'll do it? Do you believe him? So if you're not growing, what's happening? You're not asking. Or you're not putting in the effort. Right? Because then maybe you really don't want to grow. We're back to square one. I think there are people that say they want growth, but they really don't. They don't want the responsibility of it. And they don't want the time of it. Right? Come on, let's be honest here. Now, friends, <laughs> I think sometimes Christians want to stay spiritually ignorant. Because we reason with ourselves that if we don't know, then God doesn't hold us accountable. I have news for you. The devil just lied to you, and you lied to yourself. God's going to hold you accountable whether you like it or not. And let me tell you how. We will, be, we will be held accountable for what God says we should know. So however much time you've been with him, and God expects you to be here, and you've chosen to have him talk to the hand, and you're back here, when you meet him, he's going to hold you accountable. Not for where you were when you died or when he came, but where you're supposed to be. That's a fact. Now, I know the world doesn't work that way, but he does. You will be held accountable to where God says you ought to be. Well, you can't make that statement. I don't. He does. You see, people get angry sometimes with statements like that. But they can't come and argue because they can't back it up. But I can back up what I'm saying. And that's why I never give my opinion. This is God's opinion. And if you give his opinion, and you can back it up spiritually and scripturally, guess what? Huh. People, they might talk about you behind your back. They might complain about him, but they can't bring it to you with scripture. And it, well, you know what stuns me? That people will actually do that. They will talk about it behind your back, but they won't bring it to you scripturally. Who, who does that? You know who does it. That's got Satan written all over it. It's his game. Make you believe what you want to believe so you can do what you want to do. Right? Okay. I think a lot of Christians have plateaued. They have not continued to grow. And God's not going to be happy about that. Yes, friends, you have a responsibility to grow because if you aren't, then clearly you're not spending time with him. Because I found that if I spend time with God, I always grow. It isn't just me. Now, I want you to think on that for a minute. And then look at this next part. Now, Paul prayed for the Colossians that they would grow in knowledge. He prayed that they would, get this, grow and bear fruit, that they would be strong in their trials and testing, and that they would live in joy. Those are the things that he prayed that they would do. Now, when Paul was praying on these things, he was, in effect, reminding the Colossians of the responsibility to help one another grow stronger in these things. 
Did you hear what I said? More so, did you hear what Paul said? Okay. He knew, Paul did, that the church had to cooperate with God and encourage one another, okay, through worship, through teaching, through discipleship, right? Spending time together in fellowship, all of these things that we do. And we ought to do more of it, by the way. Hence, our life groups. Yeah, Mandy? And everybody in here ought to be in one. If you're not, shame on you. Don't tell me you don't have time. I'm not buying it. Okay? But your argument's not with me. You may not like that I said it. Again, I'm just the messenger. I assure you, if you're in a life group, you will grow in it. Who's in a life group in our church? Who's in a life group? Come on, get your hands up. Who's in a life group? Put your hands up. Those of you with your hands up, are you growing because of your life group? And who's not growing because of the life group? Stunning. You see my point? Maybe I should ask who's not in a life group. I'm not going to do that. Mandy would love it if I did. <laughs> She's got her paper ready, probably. But listen, friends, I'm telling you, if you don't want to grow, don't get in one. But if you do, make the time. Because everybody in the life group today didn't think they had the time, and now they won't give it up. Am I wrong? Amen. Just saying. So what I'm saying to you is, friends, is that we're to do these things. And so Paul encouraged us to have responsibility to help one another grow. He knew that the church had to cooperate with God and encourage other to, through worship, teaching, and discipleship. Why? Because prayer is an important part of our responsibility to one another. It is. You see, you can't just pray for your own spiritual growth. You might want to write that down. You can't just pray for your own spiritual growth. You see, the fact is, sometimes none of us wants to spiritually grow. We say we do, but we don't. So when Frank doesn't want to spiritually grow, and he won't pray for it, and I pray for him, God's going to do it. And when I don't want to spiritually grow, right, and he prays for it, it's going to do it. My daughter Amanda told me, stop praying that I'll have babies. Now, I don't know if God would listen to me on that. But I believe in prayer. Because God has done in my life and the lives of the people that I know, He had done things that nobody could do but Him. We'll see. And so you can't just pray for your own growth. You're responsible for the growth of other people. You are responsible for the spiritual growth of other people. Well, no pastor has ever said that before. Well, they should have. For too long, we thought we weren't responsible for that, but we are. We are responsible for the spiritual growth of other people because Paul just said so. He prayed for the growth of other people because God said he was responsible to do it. And he told them, and you pray for me so that I too might grow spiritually. We're responsible for the spiritual growth of other people in prayer is how we effect it. Thirdly, Paul demonstrated the significance of prayer. Life prevents us, my friends, <laughs> from doing things that we want to, but prayer isn't one of them. You understand what I'm talking about? Does this fly know he's about to die? Think I can do it? 
looking pretty good. He gone. <laughs> Thanks, Lord. You just got their attention when I couldn't. <laughs> Somebody's going to call up and say, he killed a fly. <laughs> All right. So life prevents us from doing things that we want to do. Has anybody figured that out yet? You get prevented from doing things, but prayer is not one of the things, okay? In prison, Paul was prevented from doing things he wanted to do. I mean, right? Now, in today's modern society, you get three squares and cable, I'm telling you, when you're in prison. Not so in his day. Okay? Well, in the United States, you do. In Russia, I don't know. But here's the deal, okay? He was prevented from doing the things he wanted to do outside of prison. But you know what he did? He had the opportunity to write and to pray, and he did. In fact, in praying for the Colossians, Paul serves as a good example. God may not have called all of us to write. He prob That's a different one. He probably <laughs> did not... <laughs> he probably... Somebody didn't pray for another fly, did you? Yeah. He probably knew that not everybody is called to preach either. Okay? You might not be called to write. You might not be called to preach. I get that. But every one of you are called to pray. Every one of you are called to pray. We all are. Okay? In the final chapter of this letter, God exhorts the church through Paul to stay alert in prayer, which means all the time. Stay alert. Don't sleep on prayer. Again, the church must not take our responsibility to pray lightly by failing to pray or slacking in our zeal to pray. I want to explain that in a minute. I want you to do a test today. Are you ready to do a test? Um, how many of you hate tests? This is a good one. And yes, I know who you are. Okay, wait a minute. Who, who doesn't like tests? No. Okay, so here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this test. Do you get excited? Close your eyes for a minute. You won't be long. Do you get excited about setting things aside in your life so that you can pray? Do you do that? Do you get excited when you can put aside something so that you can spend time with God and pray? Okay? Or do you find yourself wondering how you're going to get some sort of prayer in? Oh, my. You just defined yourself, didn't you? Are you stressed? about having to dump certain things that are good things, must things to do, in order that you can spend time in prayer? Do you get stressed out over that? That will define you. I think it may shock many of us if we really test ourselves properly. I think probably most of us are in the former. But some of us are in the latter. And maybe it's shifting. Used to be strong Christians got excited about setting things aside so they could pray. But now I think most of us are stressed. That's a problem. 
Life prevents us from doing things we want to do, but it never prevents us from prayer. You understand that? You can claim it does, you can think it does, but, but it doesn't. Because you'll do what you want to do. And if you want to spend time with him, you will. If you want to be here, you will. If you want to be in a small group, you will. And if you don't, then you won't. Oh. Be angry all day, but it is what it is, friends. And then I think something else. First of all, we have to pray for others. We must pray for others. There's no way out of this. Now, I want to return to this for a minute because Paul further admonishes the church to pray for him in his unique circumstance. He was chained to the prison floor and the prison wall, and yet he still wanted opportunities to present the gospel. I'm not sure if I was chained to the prison floor and the prison wall in the manner way that Paul was with the dysentery, lack of food, the illness, the stench, lack of care, that I would be looking for ways to present the gospel. But he did. And he prayed for it. Now, whether he meant more freedom to speak and write away from prison, or to be released from prison, I don't know. But the intent is the same. He said, pray for me that I will have opportunities to share Christ and to be faithful in this mission. It didn't matter if he was outside the prison or if he was in the prison. And he wanted them to pray that he would receive it. Now I wonder if we are praying this prayer for others. And if we're asking others to pray for us in the same manner. The CPC staff has asked pastors to come in once a week now and pray on Tuesdays for them. And uh, I signed up for it, and I was the first pastor chosen. And so last week, I didn't go to our pastoral prayer group over there. Bob, you probably missed me. It's because I was at the CPC at 8.30 praying for the staff over there. And while there, I not only prayed for them and their mission, but I also asked them to pray for me that I would be effective as a pastor and a presenter of the gospel, as well as a leader to get Christians who are in this baby mode and stuck on the same old story of deliverance into the next level. I prayed that they would pray for me for that. I asked them to. I fully believe that if they do that, God will grant what they're asking. And I ask you to do the same. That I'll be effective. Even with those that don't want to go to the next level. Because God wants them to. And that seems to be my gift. You know, some pastors have the gift of going out in the street and evangelizing everybody. That's not my gift. My gift is getting people who are already saved to the next level and the one after that and the one after that. That's what he's gifted me with. And I ask that he would help me to be effective in it. Amen? Now, I don't know what you're asking God for. And I don't know what you want me to ask God for for you. But whatever it is, ask me and I'll do it. And when I do, he'll do it. I would ask you to step out and pray that, would, that God would do a few other things. We need dedicated prayer that God would help us in bringing people to our fellowship, both of them. 
here at Mecca, yeah? We need to pray that God would do that. Now, I know for a fact that every single one of us knows people that aren't churched or people who aren't even growing in their present church. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and steal people from other churches. But here's what I am going to tell you. All of you, or most of you, at one time have told me that since you've come here, you have grown more than you ever did anywhere else. That's because this was the church for you at that time. Now, we're not the church for everybody. I don't think that we are. I don't, I don't claim that we are. But I do think that sometimes a change of scenery is a good thing. And Lord knows we've had a few people left here and went elsewhere because they needed a change of scenery. Okay. I'm not afraid to welcome people into our fellowship that have attended elsewhere. It's okay. But I want people to grow. And if this is the place for somebody to grow, God's going to bring somebody across our path that needs to grow because they're not growing where they are or they've never grown in the first place. And he wants them here. We're just too busy to see them. Too busy to get involved with them. Too busy to make it a priority to get them here. Either way, we need to pray. And remember, God will grant it. So get ready to be involved in bringing people to our fellowship. And here's the deal. Don't just invite them. Go get them. Don't give them an option. I can't do that. Yes, you can. God will see to it because he wants them here more than you do. Okay? Whatever it takes, go get them. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to grow too because God's going to grant it. Lastly, we have to ask others to pray for us. We have to ask others to pray for us. One of the most humble things we'll ever do is ask others to pray for us. We admit our weakness or inability in some area. And we affirm our dependence on the power of God. And I look right at the Apostle Paul when I say that. The guy that everybody wanted praying for them asked them to pray for him. Yeah? And every church has to be reminded and required to be a praying church. And every Christian needs to be strongly reminded, even admonished, almost told to be a praying Christian because God demands it. God demands it. And if you're not praying, then God is going to use me or somebody else to tell you that you need to pray. And don't get offended. God uses a lot of people to bring messages to you. You may not like the message, and they'll make it not like the messenger too much. But it's coming from God, not the messenger. And if God needs to tell you to pray, what's wrong with your spirituality? I don't believe, friends, that I should have to wear a seatbelt. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's my choice. I don't think, I don't think a 10-year-old can make that choice. I don't think they know the consequences of it, but I do. Still, it's the law. And when I complained about it one time about 34, 30 or 40 years ago, 
It's when Indiana was contemplating making it a law. Michigan had already done it, and this guy lived in Michigan, and I made my, you know, you know I'm not real, <coughs> I'm not afraid to share my opinion. Uh, and I said, I don't think I should be told. And this is what this guy said to me. He said, if you're too dumb to wear a safety belt, they ought to make you do it. I don't agree with him still. But I understand the irony of what he just said. Because I look at things differently now than I did when I was 24. Do you? And there's some wisdom here, isn't there? There's wisdom in wearing a seatbelt. And you would think that a law enforcement officer would know that. So there's wisdom when someone tells you something from a spiritual standpoint. You understand? You may not like it. You may not think you need it. So when I tell you that you need to be here when the church doors are open and you think you don't, there's wisdom in what I'm saying. When I tell you you need to pray because the Bible says so, there's wisdom in what I'm saying. When I tell you you need to be in a small group or a life group, and you don't want to, there's wisdom in what I'm saying. When I tell you that you need to take dedicated time and dump some things in your life to spend time in prayer with the Lord, there's wisdom in what I'm saying, and you're not going to like it. Because in the end, we all want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it. But God is very clear here. We need to be prepared. For when we set a good example as a praying Christian, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And he also said, and whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Be prepared, church. God's going to move. And if he doesn't, just like Paul, I'm going to say if nothing happens, we aren't praying. I think I can make that statement. Because God always moves on the things we pray for when they are things God has commanded us to pray for. And this is one of them. And so bringing growth to our church numerically, spiritually, and resourcefully are things that God absolutely wants to do. And as our worship team comes, I think I lost a few of them here now, but whoever's available, come on. The Bible, Scotty, go ahead. The Bible tells us that Jeru the Jerusalem apostles were being prevented from prayer. They were being prevented to teach the word. They were being prevented from helping others grow in their faith and their spirituality. Why? Because they were being tasked out with helping people with daily life issues, like taking care of the widows, making sure that people had food, clothing, and shelter, and things like that. Now, those are good things, and the church ought to be about that business. I don't deny it. But the Bible specific that those that were called to preach and teach and pray were being prevented from doing that because the tangible needs of people were taking up all their time. And God has said that teaching and preaching and prayer are more important than the tangible things. But humanity will tell you it's the other way. Because Satan wants you to do that so that he can get you so busy doing good things that you're not doing the most important things. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's biblical. It's right there. And so what did they do? Well, they appointed people that weren't called to preaching, teaching, and prayer in that regard to do those things so that they could be freed up to do exactly what God called them to do, which is preach, teach, and pray. 
Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.